Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This church of Pergamos, they partnered up with the Balaamites, we can call them, okay, that are teaching this doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, they, they just wrapped their arms around these guys and said, yeah, hey, we're all in this thing together. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I have this against you. And the sad thing is for the leadership of the church is they're allowing this to take place and people within the congregation are being stumbled. The leadership of the Church of Pergamos was allowing compromise into the church, and it was affecting everyone negatively. We oftentimes like to think, um, I can do whatever I want, so long as I'm not hurting anyone else. The problem is, that's just not true. Everything you do does have an effect on others. In today's message, Pastor James teaches why it's extremely important for the church to remain pure. There's no room in it for false doctrine and sinful practice to be accepted. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. take our eyes off of Jesus and begin to try to do all the stuff in our own power and all that, and we walk away from him, this same warning applies to us today. Jesus could do, he could show up and say like, hey, all right, you want to do all this stuff, but you want to do it without me, then, well, I'll just, I'll just use somebody else. I'll just use somebody else. The same thing applies on the personal level as being a part of the body of Christ. James, if you don't want to keep your eyes on me, you want to keep doing all this stuff, uh, if you have left me, then I can use somebody else. What a, and that's a sobering reality. And honestly, it, it kind of should create that humility inside of all of us that, well, every single one of us is replaceable to an extent, right? Well, none of us are, we are wanted by God and God wants to use us. However, he can use whoever he wants. And when he's got somebody stubborn that may not want to do things his way or keep my eyes fixed on him, then he can eat just as easily come alongside and say, you know what? I'll just use so-and-so. I'll use so-and-so. And that, that shouldn't be like a frightening thing to us, but that definitely should be a, a wake-up call to all of us to where it's like, you know, I think I just need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I think I just need to go back. And what does it mean? Return to the first works. Like, what does that even mean? It just means that going back to that simplicity of a relationship with Jesus, that's, that's it. It's like, do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember those moments when you first got saved? And you're not trying to recreate some, you know, something like that. It's just going back to the simplicity, the simplicity of it all. And, and I, I remember that it was just a, as if it was just yesterday. And that excitement and the joy. And, and again, we're not trying to like manufacture feelings because feelings, it's not about feelings. But it certainly is about this, this idea of this notion of like when we first received the Lord Jesus, it was like, you know what, man, Jesus, wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Why? Because I trust you. Because I love you. Right? And it's just that intimate connection with Jesus and, and all that. But you know, we all know as you grow up and you grow older in the Lord, so to speak, the tendency is to be like, well, I kind of got this thing down and I'll do it, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, 
And Jesus is just over there on the side saying, hey, remember me. Remember me. Let's come back. Come back. So these guys are, I mean, again, doing good stuff, but none of it matters. It doesn't matter if you're busy for the Lord if, if he's not in the mix, okay? So that's to the first church, the, the church there of Ephesus. So that, again, that could represent that first time period there of these guys and, um, you know, the first church. And the next one, we'll, we'll move into a, a kind of a representation of a, a different time period within history that would follow up after this apostolic time period. And that's the church of Smyrna. Again, another actual physical place that had, there was a church there. And these guys, um, their postcard is, is very fascinating. It, it's interesting. So we'll, let's read through this one. It says, the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. That's, of course, talking about Jesus. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So you, you automatically know within there, like there's no negative. Now, you might be looking at that and you're like, well, it sounds like negative because he's talking about persecution, tribulation, and death. But he doesn't have anything to say negative towards the church itself. So we know that after that apostolic age, the persecution of the church really intensified. It really intensified. And we know that within this region, uh, Smyrna itself, uh, there was a lot of we'll say Caesar worship happening within here, okay? Because it was like, Smyrna was kind of like the hot spot for that. And you would have to go daily, right? And, and you know, say, Caesar's Lord, Caesar's Lord. And, and the, Smyrna is where, really where, you know, kind of the epicenter of all that. So believers were faced with the dilemma every single day. Are you going to identify Caesar as Lord or are you going to identify Jesus as Lord? Now, the thing is, is that all they had to do is show up and say, Caesar is Lord, leave the place, go about their business, and nobody would do anything. But if you refused, then you were persecuted, whether that meant you were going to be arrested or tortured or killed. But all you had to do was just say, Caesar is Lord, and nobody would even know, and you can go about your business. But in this letter, Jesus is he's encouraging these guys. He's like, look, you guys just stay, stay true to the end, to the very end. And they were suffering, and they were suffering for sure. And there were, there were people on the outside that were looking to really to destroy these guys. Because of the persecution and everything, the, the outward view of this church would be that it's like, and because they were suffering through tribulation and all that, that they were poor, quote unquote. But the Lord says, no, look, you're not poor. You're rich. You're, you're so wealthy. And he's going to address another church a little bit later that thinks they're so rich. But he's like, you're broke. You're totally broke. But for the church of Smyrna, which is, in, which is just going through a tremendous amount of persecution, tremendous amount of, of tribulation and all that, the Lord says, listen, there's, there's not a church that's better off than you guys. And he, he has really nothing negative to say to these guys at all. It's all encouragement. And that's exactly what a church needs that's going through a difficult time of tribulation. Keep on going. 
keep on going. Yeah, but what if our own nation tells us we can't keep going? Well, then just keep going. Just keep going. But what if we're all going to get sick and die? Well, yeah, guess what? Humans are going to get sick and die. Nobody knows when the time is. I mean, are there other factors that can involve? Sure. Absolutely. Here's the thing about that, though, and what these guys needed to know and what we need to know as well is, does the Lord hold your life in his hand? Is he the master of the time clock of your life from beginning to end? Now, does this mean you need to be crazy and go try to test that? (laughs) No, you don't do that because that's ridiculous, right? Whether we believe it or not, people can unfortunately cut their own lives short way too soon. And we probably have all experienced that to a certain extent. I've had friends commit suicide. Was that part, did the, was that when the Lord had them planted? They took their lives. Did they sell themselves short on being used by God? Sure. Absolutely. Could the Lord have used them? Absolutely. Should we go around lip, licking shopping carts and not because we're not afraid of a virus? No, because that's stupid, right? We don't, you don't need to do that. But what I am saying is that The Lord holds our lives in his hands. And even for a persecuted church, he's saying, look, I have you guys. You stay faithful to the very end. Well, when's the end? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The end for you will be when the end for you is supposed to be. Is that today? I don't know. Is it tomorrow? I have no idea. No clue. No clue. The Lord knows. And so in the midst of all that, in the midst of whether it's persecution or tribulation or trials and all that, We just got to stay focused on him, focused on the Lord and just trusting in him, the Lord. The Lord's good. And he's telling these guys, he's like, look, you guys just stay faithful. Stay faithful. Oh, hey, here's a heads up. The devil himself is looking to arrest you guys. (laughs) Like Satan himself is out to get you. That's the biggest compliment a church has ever received, that Satan himself is looking to bust up your church. That must be a pretty effective church. Probably a pretty effective church. Uh, Historically, Smyrna, the church there and all that, wasn't all that impressive. I mean, if you move into this region and you're looking for a new church to go to, Smyrna probably isn't going to be on the top of your list because they probably don't have the coolest facility. They probably don't have the, the, you know, all the glitz and the glam and all that stuff. They're just a humble, simple church. But Jesus says, ah, you guys aren't poor. You guys are rich. You guys are rich. He goes on to tell him, he's like, and, and even with the Ephesus, there's always the end, the, the, the end of that. Of like, hey, look, you got ears, you got two of them, cool, uh, use both of them. However, if you only want to use one, then one will do. Just hear what I'm saying and just do what I'm saying. Be victorious. Oh, be an overcomer is the other way that that's translated. Be an overcomer. There's something waiting for you in the end of it all. If you'll just stay faithful to the Lord Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to empower us. To, uh, to be overcomers. You can't do it in your own strength. The first one with Ephesus, it, you know, you're eating from the tree of life. That thing, that tree that was, you know, there within the garden and now is well protected and, and it's in the midst of paradise of God. Like you can munch on the fruit of that thing all you want, all you want. There you go. Be an overcomer. The, for the Smyrna, the, the, he's like, uh, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And he's like, you don't even have to worry about it. Don't even, no fear at all concerning that. None at all. Just keep on focused on Jesus, faithfully serving the Lord. Just stay faithful. That was his word to the, to the church of Smyrna. So it's the same for us as a, as a church, but also as individuals. Stay faithful. Now we begin to see the shift, right, into uh, Pergamos, which is technically, it, it's like the compromising church. 
So the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. Okay, we've, we've seen that description from chapter one from his mouth. And when he speaks, it's this double-edged sword, okay? Uh, it, it's coming out of his mouth, which meaning it's, it's his word. Verse 13, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Well, how about that? Talk about a rough city, okay? This, <laughs> where they dwell, the, the epicenter there, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas, uh, Antipas or was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So there in Pergamos, it's like the headquarters for, for Satan. Isn't that a, that's a weird concept. That's a weird idea. Like, for whatever reason, geographically, at this point in time when the letter was being written, Jesus is saying, he's like, oh, yeah, you guys, your, your city is the headquarters for Satan. Like, that's where he set up camp. And you're like, what? Um, now, there's some things that would, uh, you, can do, you can look at historically concerning Pergamos that would, would be clear indicators of like, man, yeah, that's, there's definitely a wicked side to this city for sure. But he's saying, like, you're on the front lines. That's where you guys are at. You're on the front lines. He's like, and I know your works. I know, you know, and so there were works that were, that were a part of this church. And, and they even had one of their own. He was martyred, okay? So his, he was killed for the faith. Verse 14, though but I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So here we see these guys again. So we know that regionally, these teachings were beginning to like spread, kind of like a cancer, okay? So it was a threat to the church. The church of Ephesus was like, Listen, we're not going to have it. So what are the Nicolaitans and the guys who are perpetuating that, that belief system and all that stuff? Well, they just move on down the road. They just keep going. There's, this was technically like a postal route. You could go from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamos. I mean, they were all connected by basically kind of like a highway, so to speak. So the other guys just went down the road. They're not even going to stop in Smyrna because why, why are we going to waste our time in that small, broke church? We'll, just, we'll go to Pergamos. So you got these, and they welcomed in these individuals who uh, hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, in which he says, which I hate. And the other thing is, like, you welcome in these guys, the, the, this doctrine of Balaam, which is idolatry and sexual immorality, the church has become buddy-buddy, so to speak. It, it hasn't called anybody out. It's like, yeah, you can come in and, you know, and yeah, no, I mean, we don't really believe in that, but you, you're, you can come in here. And this isn't about like having an open door where anybody can come to church. That's not, don't, don't mistake that because technically anybody is welcome in, in Calvary Galveston, you know, regardless of what their viewpoint, but we won't ever partner up or yoke up with somebody who, is, who has a belief that is completely contrary to what scripture says. We're not going to partner up with anybody like that. We're not going to become unequally yoked as a church, and that's the danger, but that's the compromising church, is when you become unequally yoked with somebody where you're just so like, yeah, come in, and we're not going to expect you to change. You can be whoever you are, continue to be who you are, but you know, well, let's just make sure we're, we're doing good works for our city. And it's like, well, hold on. Hold on, because that's, that's what these guys were guilty of. They welcomed these guys in. They gave them somewhat of a platform. They partnered up with them. And Jesus writes them a little postcard and says, what are you doing? 
What we would never want is for Jesus to write Calvary Galveston a postcard saying, hey, look, um, man, I know you guys are doing works and all that stuff, but how is it that you have partnered up with, so -and with this group or with so-and-so? Don't you know that what they're about? I mean, these guys, this church of Pergamos, they partnered up with the Balaamites, we can call them, okay, that are teaching this doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. They, they just wrapped their arms around these guys and said, yeah, hey, we're all in this thing together. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I have this against you. And the sad thing is for the leadership of the church is they're allowing this to take place and people within the congregation are being stumbled, okay? They're being led astray. But there's a remedy. Even for a church that is just, it's gone off track, it's compromised, Jesus says, but you can come back. You can come back. And he says, verse 16, repent, or else I'll come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And that's the other thing is like, Jesus is like, look, I'm going to show up. You guys can either repent, which means turn from your, the way that you're headed, turn away from that, or I'm going to show up in your church and I'm going to bring my sword with me. I mean, as cool as that sounds to me, that's definitely not something you want. Jesus, you don't want Jesus kicking down the doors of your church with the sword in hand saying like, hey, okay, you didn't want to listen, so here I am, right? And so the, the key to this, the, the notion is repent. Within my own heart, personally, applying this letter to my life, there's no room for compromise. There's no room for compromise. And, and we as believers know that compromise is always creeping in always creeping in. The enemy wants nothing more than to, to, try, to try to disrupt our lives by intro, introducing little compromises. It's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard, right? It's like, it's just little things. Let the little thing in, the little thing in. We always have to be on guard about that. And when, we, when we've allowed them in, the same message applies for us today. And Jesus says, look, just repent, just repent. Or I'm going to show up in your life. I'm going to kick down the door of your heart, so to speak, because this kind of reference is, is common throughout this, uh, throughout all these letters. And, and I'll, I'll use my word, which is uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's like that surgeon's scalpel to, whoosh, I'll cut out whatever I got to cut out. So it's just always best to, like the, you know, like the scriptures are always encouraging, encouraging us, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You can either do it or you can let him do it. It's our choice. It really is our choice. And it's like, you know what, Lord? I just, help me to be humble. Help me to be humble. So repent, or he, or he says, I'm going to show up with the sword. I'll fight against him with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him or him who receives it. So you got the hidden manna. What's the hidden manna? That's, is that the stuff that they hid in the ark and all that? No, no, no. The manna is Jesus, okay? All right? Manna equals Jesus, bread of life, right? So that, that could be, that's one aspect of that. Um, this white stone, a very fascinating thing about that, white stone. Why, why white stone? Well, Pergamos, if, if I'm remembering correctly, there was a lot of contrast there, contrasting colors represented within the city of black and white, black and white. So the white stone would almost be like a victor's kind of stone type deal, 
right? So Jesus is going to give you, uh, you overcome. He's going to give, give a, a rock that has a name written on it, a new name written on it, uh, written, which no one knows except for whoever receives this. There's a lot of ideas about what that represents and everything. We, we'll, we can touch on that at some other point in time, but here's what I know about that. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay faithful to Jesus. Stay committed to Jesus. If compromise has come into your life, repent of it, turn, run back to him, be an overcomer, experience that hidden manna, looking for that cool little white stone, whatever that thing is. Maybe in heaven, that'll be part of, part of what you receive there, but with a name written on it that nobody knows except for you if you receive the thing, right? So it's, it's all this like Jesus is saying, hey, look, for you churches, you know, some of you guys are doing good here. There's, there's one church that really gets no compliments at all, but um, doing good. You need to fix this. And by the way, stay strong, overcome, and there's something down the road for you, and it's worth it. It's all, all of it's worth it. Even if we don't fully understand it, it's all worth it. But you see the spiral, the downward spiral. So you got the compromising church. Now you got the corrupt church of Thyatira. It says, to the angel of Thyatira, write these things, or these things says the, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. That's all speaking of judgment, okay? I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first, right? So you're, you're intensifying in your works. You're increasing within your works. Nevertheless... I have a few things against you. Because you, you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her, her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and will give to each one according to your works. Here's a letter to Thyatira. They got a Jezebel. A Jezebel is in the church. And so again, we know context-wise at this point in time, there was someone within the church of Thyatira. It's almost as if the leadership of the church was ascribed to this lady, whoever she was, right? Nowadays, this would, be like a, this would be like a hot topic, right? Like, hey, lady in leadership, what's wrong with that? A pastor, female pastor, and we, we should allow that and all this stuff. And it's like, well, it seems like it's kind of whoever they appointed that she's kind of getting them in trouble. And so what is, you know, there's all this, this ideas and this notion of like, you know, why, why should guys be the only ones allowed? And, and we're not getting into any of that stuff what we know from this church, a very real church at a very real time in history that represents a time frame within history as well, speaking of a church age kind of a deal, this church had s- surrendered all leadership basically to this one lady, and she was leading them into idolatry, sexual immorality. I mean, you just see the, the, the delineation from, uh, from Ephesus to to Thyatira, I mean, it's just, it's gone crazy. Like, the, the worst problem, and it was a problem for, for Ephesus, they, they turned their back on Jesus. They, they left their first love. That's problematic for sure. But when you get to Thyatira, you're like, are you guys even a church? Like, is this even really a church that we're talking about? Because I'm reading through some of this stuff, and I'm like, whoa, why would anybody want to go to this church? 
Like, this doesn't sound anything like to me like a church. You've just been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Calvary Galveston is a church dedicated to speaking the name of Jesus into every life that tunes into this broadcast. The verse-by-verse teaching of Revelation comes to you from Pastor James Grizzle out of Galveston, Texas. If you're not in the area to spend time with us on Sunday mornings or on Thursday evenings, would you go to breadforthebroken.com to live stream our service? We promise that your faith will grow. While you're there, and if the Lord leads you to do so, there's a specific spot for donations of any size. We'd be grateful not only for this consideration, but also for your prayers. This is a powerful way to be connected with the ministry and to share Jesus with others. We want them to experience hope and new life in Jesus. You can get more information about that at breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful that you took the time to be with us, and we trust that you'll come back again to hear more truth. In the meantime, though, would you email us with what's happening in your life, being sure to include any questions or comments about today's message. We seek to serve you better, and this helps us to do so. Just visit breadforthebroken.com. Once there, there's a contact tab at the top of the page that can get you started. We look forward to hearing more biblical teaching from Pastor James, and we hope that you're on the same page, so join us again. Well, we're out of time for today, and until next time, this has been Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.